Open up your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Hebrews. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, then to help you understand, there's like an Old Testament and a New Testament. There's two sections. The Old Testament starts with Genesis. The New Testament starts with Matthew. And Hebrews is in the New Testament. And so to help you get there, you'll go to Matthew and then Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. You'll keep going. First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Keep going. First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, um, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. Man, I just messed up in the last service. I realized I left out Titus. Anyway, um, so poor Titus. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, you know, how do we know that, you know, we want to teach our kids to hear God's voice. Now, if you're new to this, like if Christianity is something that you're kind of checking out, that phrase can be a little scary to you. And I realize this, Christians kind of have our own vocabulary and we just say things, but we understand if it's seen through like a current cultural lens, it could mean something that we don't intend for it to mean. And so when we talk about hearing God's voice, if this is new to you, or you're not really sure about this Christianity, then you're like, look, man, I don't need to be hearing any more voices than I'm already hearing. And so, and that's not what we're talking about. We, but we are talking about this that God is a relational God. He, he is a relational God. He's, you know, as religious as we want to be, he's not a religious God. He's a relational God. And so Jesus, even when he came manifesting as God in the flesh, he is, he, you know, very relational. He was around people. He went and ate with them at their houses and just connected and engaged with them. And he was a defender and, and he was a confronter and all of those things. And he, then even when he talked about God the Father, that's a relational term. Father is a relational term. You know, as we give our lives to Jesus, we become sons and daughters, brothers and sisters. Those are all relational terms. And so it makes sense if he's a relational God that he's going to speak to us. Now, again, Pastor Rick, are you saying that he'll speak audibly? Well, as far as I know, he's never spoken to me audibly. Now, I've said that before, and I've had people come, so you're telling me God's never spoken to you? That's not what I said. You need to hear what I said. And that is he's never spoken audibly, out loud with his voice to me as far as I know. He speaks to us in all sorts of ways. He speaks to us through creation. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through God thoughts and just nudges and convictions. And so we have to teach our kids to recognize that. So in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 5, now around here, like the, we read from the New Living Translation, it says, it's kind of a modern day thing. It says, Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work, I'm sorry, verse 5 through 11, Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. That's why the Holy Spirit says today, everybody say today. Today, today when you hear his voice. Now, it doesn't say if you hear his voice, today when you hear it. In other words, that he's still speaking to us today. It's not something that he just did centuries ago and no longer does. That doesn't mean he's still writing scripture, that the scripture has been written. It's the canon is closed on that. And what I mean is that there's no more Bible books being written. But other than that, you know, through his word and other ways, he speaks to us specifically. And so he's telling them, he said, look, today when God speaks to you, well, Pastor Rick, God's never spoken to me. i, I I, I'm willing to bet that he has. And the issue is maybe you just haven't recognized it. You, you didn't know that he was dealing with you. He, he loves you. He sees you. He's not indifferent to you. He's, if you've never given your life to Jesus and you've not entered into a relationship with him, I know he's pursuing you. 
And so he's spoken to you at different times, but again, you probably just may not have recognized or been aware that that was him talking. And it's not a criticism. I'm sure I've had those moments in my life as well. But he says, today, when he speaks to us, today, when, he, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. So he said, look, man, he said, your ancestors, he said, I spoke to them, but he said, they rebelled. And when they rebelled, it caused their hearts to harden. Now, a lot of people may say, I don't really know what that means. And what it means is, is that in reality, that when God speaks to us, if we just ignore him and we're indifferent to his voice, it impacts us. That when he wants to speak to us, that if we treat it like we would any other thought, any other situation, any other thing, then it causes us to miss his voice. And at some point, we can become so indifferent that our heart is like, eh. We treat it like we would any other voice. Eh, I don't care. Eh, big deal. As opposed to embracing that he's speaking to you in this moment. So he said this. He said, there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them. And I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. And so, you know, we have to endeavor to hear God's voice. Part of it is learning to recognize what that is. And, and so again, like I said, for anybody in here, well, Pastor Rick, I've been so bad. Man, look, man, we've all done stuff. And I'm not saying, you know, maybe you've done some horrible things, but I know this much that the love of God is greater than anything you could ever do. I know that what Jesus did on the cross is a greater thing than anything you could ever do. Now, you have to embrace it. You have to receive what Jesus has done in order for it to be a benefit to you personally. But as you step in and make Jesus the Lord of your life and you believe that his sacrifice is enough, that he'll, he'll capture your heart and you'll become his child in that moment no matter how bad what you've done is. And so we have to learn today when he speaks to us, I don't want to harden my heart by being indifferent. Oh, that's just God. Oh, that's just him. Or that's just a thought that I had. We have to know who it is that's speaking to us. Now, we have a, a young lady that goes here, and I talked with her before I shared this. We sit down and said, I want to make sure two things. One is, are you okay that I share the story? And two is that I have the details correctly. And she said, yes, on both of them. So I have a dear friend. Her name is Shanae Swan. She goes here. I've known her since she was like eight and so um, you're like, man, she must be old. No, she's not. I am. And so, um, and so she was, uh, her, her parents were who we worked for in Clovis. And I think she was eight years old. And then she was a part of our youth group for years. And her and I stayed in touch. And her and her, daughter, her, and her kids moved here. They're just great kids. And, and so uh, they go to church here. And, and I love them dearly. But when she first got in my youth group, she was about 12 years old. And uh, it was back before um, cell phones were a big thing. We had telephones, but not, not cell phones. And so uh, some of you are like, there was a world without cell phones? Yes, one time back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. Anyway, um, and so, so I remember she'd just been coming to youth group for just a little while. And so after service was over, you know, if all the kids had left the, the room, then it was time to go home. A lot of times they'd be downstairs with their parents. We did Wednesday night services for everybody. And so I got home that night, and I get a call from her mom and dad. Anytime her mom and dad called, my anxiety rose a little bit. One is because I love the kids I ministered to, and I want to make sure kids were okay. And two is because they were my boss, and I love the job and the fact that it fed my kids, and I love my kids as well. And so phone rings, and they're like, hey, do you know where Janae is? And I'm like, no. The last time I saw her, she was in youth service and hanging out with this group of kids here. And then, and then after the service, everybody left, and they go, okay. 
Well, so several hours went on and Janae finally comes back home. Well, I said, she's only 12 or 13 years old. And they were like, where were you? And she had, there's a couple of the older kids that they were good kids and they weren't doing anything they weren't supposed to do other than the fact that she, her parents had no idea where she was. And so when she got home, they greeted her with the parental kiss. And so, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway, um, so, uh, you know, they, they talked with her, but they were sharing with me the moment. And I, again, I talked with her about this and the moment that they had, and I thought, what a great moment. And and, you know, they were, you know, clearly whenever we parents, whenever we get concerned about our kids, a lot of times that translates into anger. Like, I'm so glad to see you and you're in so much trouble. And so, um, and so it was one of those moments. But they said to her, and I thought this was so good. They said, the whole time you were there, what was coming up in your heart? And she goes, that I should call you. Just the thought kept coming. Hey, you need to call your parents. You need to call your parents. And they said this. They said, that was God speaking to you. And I thought, what a great moment. They said, he, he didn't want you to be in trouble. He, he wasn't trying to get you in trouble or keep you from having fun. He just knew that if you did this, that would probably make your night end better than it's going to end now. And I think, you know, so many times we miss those moments with our kids to help them understand that in this season of their life, even now that God speaks to them. And maybe for some of you, this is a good lesson too, that maybe there have been times you've been in issues and you've had that thought of, I should do this. And you look back and you think, man, if only I would have done that, then it would have prevented this. Well, in all likelihood, that was God speaking to you at that moment. And again, not, not because he's trying to keep you from having a good time, but he cares about you. He's trying to protect you. He's, he's trying to keep you safe. He wants your life, you know, to go in the direction that he wants you to go. And I think that as parents, we have to help our kids understand that in that moment, that God often speaks through the voice of our conscience. That he speaks through that, that he's looking for ways to communicate to us because he's a relational God. And so if you're taking notes, you know, that we, that we want to teach our kids to respond to God's voice. And we have to help them recognize when it is that he's speaking to them and how he's speaking to them. But then to respond, you know, that if she were to respond, her life would have been better. But to learn that in that moment, not to always be indifferent to that voice. Eh, I'm not going to do that. Eh, I'm going to do what I want to do. It hardens our heart, and, and we begin to treat God's voice like it's just any other voice instead of his. But, but we want them to leave our home, that, to carry that in their suitcase, to know, to recognize this is God speaking to us. And it's one of the great gifts that we as parents can give our kids. So number one is this, is we want to teach our kids to respond to God's voice. Let's look at number two. Go with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy 3. Now, you're in Hebrews, and before Hebrews is Philemon. And before Philemon is not 2 Timothy, it's Titus. And before Titus is 2 Timothy. First service, I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. This was a letter that a guy named Paul, who was an apostle, that the Lord used in the establishment of the churches. Now, a lot of times people don't understand, you know, what's the difference between the Old Testament and New Testament? Well, we can get real theological, and I'm not going to, but two ways. One is the, the, the Old Testament is the old covenant and how God dealt with people before Jesus came. And the New Testament is how God deals with us now, with humanity now. Or in the simplest form, it was when Jesus came to earth, God in the flesh came. And then the epistles, those are like not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or Acts, or Revelation. It's the rest of it. They're the letters that followers of Jesus wrote that are part of the Scripture now. They were written to believers, to Christians, to tell us how, what our lives look like as followers of Christ, what the church looks like. 
and all of those things. A lot of times we try to take epistles and preach those things like, hey, this is what you're supposed to do to people that aren't believers, but it's intended for believers. Now, we still tell them about Jesus. When you become a follower of Jesus, then this lines up our life. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, Paul's writing to Timothy, but he's also writing to you and me here in Oklahoma. He said, but you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. So he said, remain faithful to what you've been taught. He said, you know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. Or Timothy, remain faithful to the things that you were taught. You know they're true because you can trust the people that taught you. Not that they were perfect, but you can just trust who they are, their lives. You've been around them enough where you see that they are consistent with who they are, with who they say they are. He said, you know they are true for you. You know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. Everybody say childhood. childhood. So Paul writing to Timothy, who later would become a pastor, who became a pastor at the church of Ephesus and was one of the early leaders in the church, that's whose life was martyred later on, that God began to speak to him, not when he was 25, but as a child. And he was taught the scriptures. And we, we found out in one of these letters that it was his mother and his grandmother that had a huge influence on his life, that taught him the scriptures. That, so you're familiar with these things. You know them now. We don't do child care here. Your kids in kids' ministry over there or over here with Stacy, they're not being babysat. They're being ministered to and taught the word of God. It becomes a part of their life. On Wednesday nights, it's so important that we want our students to be taught the word. Our desire is that our kids leave with something. So you as a parent see what's being put in their hand. And you know, this is what my kid's being taught. I know, yes, they have fun. Yes, there's good things. But also the promises of God and the word of God is put in their hands. And so they'll know that we become accountable to you. The, great, you know, the one that should be the greatest spiritual influence on their life. But the church plays a role in that too. You've trusted us with that. And so we want to do that. And so he said this. He said, you've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, they, the, which they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ. All Scripture. Everybody say all Scripture. all Scripture. All Scripture. Not just part of it. Not just the parts that I like and make me feel, give me all the feels. But all the Scriptures I don't like that are kind of challenging to me that are like, ah, really? I don't want to be nice to them. Really? I got to do that? Ah, okay. All scripture is given by, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And so the scripture is given to teach us. Now, we have the internet today, and there are some people, and I'm sure they mean well, and there's other people that they just, they're just cantankerous. Other people are just looking to make money. But so I remember I got on this one site, somebody that, was, uh, that had kind of turned away from the face said, I want you to read this. And so I began to look. It was supposed to give me all these scriptures that were supposed to convince me that I couldn't trust, uh, trust the scripture. And as I looked at it, they, just, they weren't rightly dividing it. I'm like, well, that's an Old Testament thing. That's the thing he was speaking specifically. In this. I mean, each one of those things, it was just a very clear thing. There wasn't anything that I saw like, oh, no, I can't. Trust the scripture. No, man. I mean, and there are times where just because I don't understand it doesn't mean that it's not true. But we have an obligation as parents to turn our kids back towards the Bible. We have, an, we have a responsibility as parents to, to teach our kids that one of the most important questions they can ask is this. Listen, if you don't get anything else, man, get this. 
What does the Bible say about this? It's one of the most important questions. Now, do you know who, and maybe it's this way for everybody, but in our nation, in our culture today, one of the most, one of the most sources that people, one of the sources that people the most turn to is current culture. And that's such a huge mistake. There are things that our culture a hundred years ago said was okay, that we clearly know are not okay today. The scripture is a sure foundation. It's certain, it's true in what we do. It's, we, we need to understand that. Now, because of the lifespan of people today, you know, certainly in the 20th century and into the 21st century, we, you know, we typically, humanity is living longer than it did 120 years ago. Part of it are things like you know, antibiotics and just advancements in medicine. And so I say all that because like in our, in our church today, this weekend, there will probably be five different generations that will sit under this teaching today. They'll be my parents' generation. There's still some people around from that generation. They're, they're the builders or whatever. They, they, you know, they were part of the Depression era and, and different things like that, and, and you know, to, to, towards the World War II and, and places like that. And, so, and their culture influenced the way that they saw the world and still does to this day. And what's right and what's wrong. Then there's my generation, baby boomers, and our culture influences the way that we see the world. And it's different in some areas than what it was with our parents, the way we see it. And then there's the next generation after us, Generation X. And again, the way that they see the world is a little different than the way boomers saw it and, and the, how the way they see things. And then the generation that are millennials or Generation Y. And the same thing's true. And then after that, Generation Z. And with each one of those generations, there's a filter in which they see the world that is a little different. There's an area of emphasis on certain things and, and what they would define as right and wrong and at their core what motivates them, whether it's justice or whether it's truth or whether it's relationship. All of those things come into play. And so one of the reasons why we have to direct people towards Scripture is because regardless of what generation I'm in, that the scripture is unchanging whether it's dealing with generations of the builders or boomers or generation X or millennials or generation Z or any generation to follow. That no matter what changes take place in the cultural view of that day, the one thing that is certain is the scripture. All scripture. Everybody say all scripture. All, scripture. all of it's given by inspiration of God. It's inspired by God. Well, Pastor Rick, it says this. Do you believe that's true? Well, again... Are you understanding it correctly? Are you taking it in context and all those sorts of things? I know that when we understand the direction that God is speaking to us, the context of it in regards to that, that it's true. And so we need to direct our kids to God's word. One of the most important questions, as I said before, that we can teach our kids to ask before they leave our home is this, what does the Bible say? Just over and over again, you know, hey, should I do this? Well, what does the scripture say? Does the Bible say anything about it? Well, let's look. Should I do this in relationship with the opposite sex? Well, what does the Bible say about it? Well, culture says, I don't, what does the Bible say? I mean, it, it's regardless. We act like the issues that we have that nobody's ever had them before. They, they've been around since humanity. And again, the, the choice is always, am I, am I going to do what God said? I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, you know, culture, the voice in culture says it's not reliable and it's not God's voice. And so we want our kids not to treat the Bible as just another book, 
You say, well, who wrote it? Well, again, it's all inspired by God, but it was written over 1,500 years by multiple people that God used. He inspired them to, to, to write this down and to share it. It was his voice speaking through them as to what he wanted to do with society. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And so number two, we need to direct our kids to God's word. Let's look at number three. Go back to Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 5. This is always, this has nothing to do with my message. It's just kind of a general statement. You do a lot of those. I'm aware of that. And so um, this time of year is always tough because if you don't turn the heat on, it's just like brutally cold. If you do turn the heat on, you're like, man, what is this, the Sahara? I mean, so I get it, you know. So anyway, just we're doing our best. Anyway, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 says this, says, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? In other words, he's reminding them of some encouraging words. I'd like to be encouraged. Don't you like to be encouraged? I love when people encourage. How many of you like to be encouraged in here? Somebody don't have your hand raised up. Meet me in the, I'm going to say a bunch of discouraging things to you. Let's see how long you stand. Okay. All right. Encouraging words. God spoke to you as his children. He said, now I don't, he's already tells what the encouraging words he said. My child don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Oh. And don't give up when he corrects you. Those are encouraging words. But he goes on to say, for the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure, everybody say endure. endure. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who's never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you're illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, that he might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So he said this, that every parent, you know, that loves their kid disciplines them. And, you know, and sometimes it's tough in knowing what that is. Now, my dad, um, when he was 15, both of his parents died within a few months of each other. And so he was kind of passed around from a 15-year-old from one place to the other. And he said, you know, he told me, he said, you know, the wild thing about it is he said, he said, they, I was grateful they gave me a place to live. But he said, I missed the correction that came with it. He said, they, nobody really, they didn't say anything about what I did. I kind of did whatever I wanted to do. And he said, there was something in me that missed that, those boundaries. He said, one night my uncle, when I was living with them, said to him, he said, hey, you've been out late a lot the last several nights. He said, why don't you come in early like at this time? He said, I didn't tell him this, but he said, it just spoke to my heart. I came in earlier than he wanted. It was just good for him. It, it said, you matter to me. So it says this, that God disciplines us and corrects us. But he said this, often discipline and correction is not something we enjoy. I remember being disciplined as a child by my parents. It was hardly ever was I like, can we do that again tomorrow? I mean, it was hardly ever that kind of thing. You know, it was just, it was a not fun, painful thing you know it was like you know the bible says you spare the rod not you spoil your child but you spare the rod you hate your child my dad loved me he loved me a lot often he loved me and so and i deserve to be loved a lot and often and that type of thing and so 
So we had that moment. But, you know, God disciplines us. He corrects us. And it's not always good. You say, well, how does he do it? Well, one of the ways is sometimes through his word, I'll read a scripture. And he's like, and in the word, it's letting me know that this behavior, this thought, this attitude is not okay. I need to change the direction I'm going in. Oh, sometimes he uses people. Sometimes that's not fun. Sometimes you may come to church on a Sunday morning and, and me or whoever's speaking may say something and you may leave irritated. I can't believe the pastor said this from church. Well, okay. <laughs> Just endure it. Endure it. It says this, that it yields forth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. That if you're taking notes, this number three is this, is that when we correct our kids, it should point them back to God. Part of the purpose of discipline and correction, a huge part of it, is not to just punish them and show them, but it's to direct them back onto course, to correct their course back towards God, to do that. And it's, it's not always comfortable. Now, some people have asked me this before, and I hesitate to do this because people will misuse that or misuse me. And, and you don't have to do what I say. What I'm going to tell you, you don't have to do this. I know you love your kids. I know you're doing the best you can. Now, if you're trying to live a life without correcting them, you're doing them an in, uh, you know, misservice and injustice. That you're called as one of your responsibilities to correct their path, whatever that looks like in your home. Now, I'll tell you what it looked like in our home. Not, not for me as a kid, but what, how we did with our kids. And that is, is that, that when they, we were corrected, then we had a little paddle. We didn't use a cord. We had a little paddle. We gave them three swats. And I would say to them before, hey, do you know why, why you were gonna, this is going to happen? Yes. Why is that? Because you want to do this? I'm like, no, no, that's not why I want to do it. No, that's not why this is happening. The reason why it's happening is because you hit your sister. So why are you doing this? I hit my sister because she hit me. No, 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 no. It's not because of anything. It's like because you, because you hit your sister. That, that hap, hap, happened sometimes, right, David? I mean, yes. More than sometimes. He's <laughs> And so, and so, you know, it was like, well, yes. And so, so then they would, they would get their three swats. And then I would say to them, look, I love you. I'm not mad at you. But we would pray, God, forgive me for being disobedient. Thank you for forgiving me. I'm yours. And I said, never again when we talk about this, it's been dealt with. I just want you to learn to be kind. And so it required me to try to do better. Sometimes I would blow it and they would have gladly, you know, offered up that opportunity. But I'm like, daddy's outgrown those things. So anyway, <laughs> but we would have those moments and because my goal was not to, to heap shame on them or condemnation. You'll never amount to anything. You're just sorry. Is that godly discipline? And sure as I talk about this, somebody that is broken will use this to mistreat their child. That's why I'm hesitant to say anything about it. Correction is not for your benefit. It's for your kids. It's to help them, to steer them so they can trust God as a good father. That when he speaks to them, they know he's speaking to them for their benefit. And the reality of it is, is that God often uses people. And sometimes when he puts people in our life, we're like, well, I'm never talking to them again. Well, maybe they were an instrument that God was sending your way to get you back on track. I remember years ago, I've shared this with you, but you know, we're from here, but we were in New Mexico for 17 years and our group, youth group had grown and just great things were happening. So the church said, look, we're going to build this youth facility. And they built the facility and it was just so exciting. And We'd have during school like 400 kids show up. Sometimes we'd do special events where five, six, 700 kids would show up. We did one event. We had over 1,000. We had to tell them we can't have any more kids in here. It was just that big of an event. So it was, it was great. But there were some neighbors. They were very uncomfortable with kids coming into their neighborhood. And so, and especially, you know, kids that typically weren't in their neighborhood. 
And so I remember one night I walk in the door and this guy's talking to my wife. He's not being very kind. He lived across the street. And he was mad that some skateboarders were out in our parking lot skating. And part of it I understood. He was just being disrespectful to my wife. And I was just raised, you don't do that to another man's wife. So I asked my wife, hey, can I talk to him? So we had a very good conversation. And I was younger then, so I wasn't sure he was getting what I was trying to communicate to him. And I offered to meet with him someplace else where I could more clearly communicate what it was I wanted to communicate. Oh, to be young again. Anybody? <laughs> I'm sure some of you men, you know exactly the language I'm talking about right now. He, he didn't want to do that. And, you know, he still wasn't sure that I was right. But I was more than willing whenever he felt the time was right that we could finish this conversation. We got off the phone, and I'm sure he thought... That guy's a great Christian. And so, um, and boy, what a youth minister he is. And so, uh, but he claimed to be a Christian too, just like me. We both claimed that night to be Christians. And so, and so a few weeks later, as, as they're doing some things, some construction for the building, this guy shows up and I'm like, yeah, rodeo time. And so I thought, maybe he's ready. You know, has he been hitting the gyms? Anybody know anything about him, you know? And so, so he left and I said to the administrator, I'm like, what's he doing here? And she goes, well, he's, he's putting in a bid on some of the construction. I'm like, what? I'll give him a bid. Tell him to get some bid on a dental plan. And so I'm getting ready to, you know, and so, so she, <laughs> you think I'm kidding. And so, <laughs> sadly, I'm not. And so, man, I was, you know, and she, she just kind of listened to me. She wasn't like cheering him on like, yeah, I'll go get him. And then you can like, you know, you can like work him out. And I looked at him like, I'm bigger than him. I think I can take him, you know. And so all those things that go through your mind. And so she just kind of sit there, and I'm just kind of venting, and finally, you know, she's not responding, and I'm like, well, this isn't how I expected this conversation to go. And so I'm like, well, what do you think? She goes, well, I'm just wondering when we got to practice what we preach. Oh, yeah. Yeah, take her side. And so, <laughs> um, so I knew what she meant, and I kind of looked at her. I didn't go, oh, you know what, you're right. I looked at her, and she goes, we talk about forgiveness, we talk about all those things, and we have an opportunity to do it right now, and you're not doing it. Yeah, thank you. And so um, that's what she said. And so, so I kind of looked at her and, and, you know, in a very spiritual way, I began to defend myself. Well, you know, let's see, if he talked to you that way, how would you respond? You wouldn't be all high and mighty right now sitting up on your high horse and yada, yada, yada. And I slammed the door and walked out like, uh, I'll show it to her too how spiritual I am. So I went back to my office and I sat down there. And when I was in, in the quiet of my office, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And he began to deal with me. And he's like, she's right. And I'm like, okay, God, so you're on his side too? You know what I mean? <laughs> and I just sit there for a minute, you know, and I began to realize, and it wasn't comfortable at first. It was painful. Correction is not always comfortable. It can be painful and challenging. And I remember eventually I had to go and apologize to the administrator. The next time I saw him, I, I apologized to him. Now, again, I was going to let him know, you know, if you have an issue in the end, please talk to me. Don't ever talk to my wife like that again. Because Lord understands this, just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I'm not a man. I'm going to protect my wife. And so, but I told him, I said, look, I'm sorry. I, I want to respond in a Christ-like way. And if you have a question, by all means, you can come to me. Here's my number. Call, you know, call me. Don't talk to my wife. I won't talk to your wife like that. Don't you talk to my wife like that. And I repented of my conversation. And it was correction. Now, I could have been mad. I could have stayed mad at her and closed her off and said, well, you know, I just can't trust her. She thinks she's too good. And I could have responded to the correction in a negative way. And I see people do it in their walk with Christ regularly. 
They leave when they're corrected by the pastor, when they're corrected by a friend, when the word corrects them, when, when the word stands against culture. They get mad and they leave the church. But you miss it. The Bible says that when we yield to correction, that it yields forth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Man, I, I was such an imperfect parent. I love my kids, but sometimes they caught me on my worst days and I didn't always respond to stuff. And they had a decision to make. I, I salute David because one of the reasons why he was recognized this week was because even in those moments when I would miss it, that he made a decision in God's dealing with him that he wasn't going to be mad at God for my imperfection. And so he yielded forth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And we as parents, the thing that we've made a decision, I want to encourage you in this, is that we want to teach our kids to respond to our voice. To our voice. I may, and you may do this, and if you, it's okay. It's okay. But I even made a decision. We're not going to count. I'm not going to say, look, I'm going to count to five. And if you're not, I mean, I wanted them to respond to my voice. I didn't want them to wait till I was so mad that I was yelling and spitting all over the place. I wanted them to do it the minute that I said it. I wanted them to obey their heart. You say, well, Pastor Rick, how do you know that? Look, if they're hiding from you, that means that God's already dealt with them like you're not supposed to do this. Just this awareness. And we teach them that. And again, it's not to punish them. It's not to show them. It's not, I've had it. It's to correct them back onto the path that God has called them to be, to, to direct them that direction so they'll follow him. And when you have people in your life that love you enough to correct you, even if it's awkward, I'm grateful for that administrator that she didn't take the easy way out and just kind of cheer me on. And then as I left, you know, just roll her eyes up in her head and shake her head like, what's wrong with that guy? And said she looked at me and took, had the courage to confront me, knowing that it may risk our relationship. I'll be forever indebted to her correction because she loved me. And we have to endure correction. It's one of the things in our walk with God that marks us. Some people no longer walk with Jesus because it's somewhere along the line they got offended by correction. They left the church. They're out there you know, you know, disputing the faith because they couldn't handle the fact that God said what you're doing is not okay. They wanted to choose their life or their lifestyle over what God's word said. And the truth of the matter is, is that scripture's been given to correct us. We have a responsibility and obligation to embrace what God speaks to us. And as parents, we want to teach our kids that as well. I want you to do this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. Let's just take a moment with God and just spend this minute with him. And if you're here today and you signed up to be baptized and you're ready, if you would, if you would make your way towards the back and out those doors over there, there'll be somebody that will help you. For the rest of us, just take a moment. If you're a parent, Pray for your kids no matter what season of life they're in. Pray for yourself that God will use you. Ask him to give you wisdom. Ask him to help you operate in humility that you'll apologize when you need to. Just ask him to speak through you in this moment.